Welcome back to episode number 122 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's bugging you because if it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging me. It just has to be. We're at like 2240 something on Facebook. I was real silent, then all of a sudden somebody must have tagged me on something because there was like a big uptick and people were looking at older shows and because uh, I could see what people are watching and listening to on my on my webpage and um, just went to, you know, I see a bunch of likes and I haven't done anything. Like <laughs> It's like, who's, who's tagging me? Where is this coming from? That's awesome. And uh, just so I can give them a thank you. But I, I couldn't find who it was. So if you guys know who... who gave that uptick, helped out with that, uh, send me an email, jeff at the mpd.com. I'm just curious to know, you know how that happened. I really wasn't doing much and just kind of was a nice flourishing boost. So I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, share, like the show as much as possible. It's a great way to support how this is um, moving forward. I really want to hit 5,000 by the end of the year and it's been a slow start. You know, we're hitting February 1st today and I think I've only gained like, I don't know, 60, 60 people on Facebook. So I don't know if we've capped out on Facebook, and I need to find another mechanism to, to uh, spread the word, but you guys are the ones that are doing the majority of it. I'm just tagging occasionally. I mean, I'm talking like a couple times a week, I'm tagging my show to somebody and say, hey, listen to this. I'm not all over the place. And so a lot of it's you guys. So I appreciate it. That's the best way we can get the word out there is for you guys to tell your friends that this show's worth a hoot. You can also give a, a rating on Facebook and iTunes. And some of the other podcast apps. Somebody tag. I saw somebody was using some app that I wasn't familiar with, and I had a bunch of ratings in there. I had no idea. So I appreciate you guys doing that. That's awesome. Let's people in that uh, space know that it's worth your time to listen to and to uh, give a rating, even if it's not the the top rating. I'm cool with it. Just tell me what what the issue is. If you don't like the show, I want to try to make it better if I can. The other thing that um, you can do to help support the show is to use the Amazon affiliate link. You guys know how to do it. You go to my website. You click on the banner. It's thenpdude.com, by the way. Everybody knows that by now. But in case you're new, that's where you go. You click on the Amazon banner. It takes you to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have. It doesn't cost you a single penny more. And what it does is it kicks me a percentage of the purchase that you do. And still getting some purchases, so I appreciate it. We've met goal. Uh, I've paid my web hosting for this year, so we're in. I'm all in. We got round two. Ding, right? Boxing thing, I guess. So round two of uh, the MP dudes coming in. So we're going to stick with it for another year. We'll see what happens. And uh, hopefully we can get to that 5,000 mark. I need your help to do it, though. The other thing you can do to help support the show is if you are in Ohio, only in Ohio, I get people all over the country still to this day. I tell people I cannot review your contract in Illinois or Kentucky or California or Colorado. But, oh, boy, there's deer. Just almost hit him. Um... But I want you guys to uh, to consider using me for a review of your contract in Ohio. I uh, the what the, what I do my services and I had a bunch of them I did yesterday. So it's this is taking off as well. So I'm I'm, I'm busy on multiple fronts, but I'm good with it because it's fun. I'm having a blast, so I love doing it. I'll work long and late for you guys. I will. I promise. I'll get up at four in the morning and review your contract before I go to work. I'll do what I got to do. That's what that's what this this is because it's in it's that important to you guys and it's important to me because if you guys are learning how to contract and get better deals guess what it does for me it makes my price go up too so it's partially selfish but it's just for the betterment of the profession in general but it builds me up right you ever guys have ever heard the phrase they say it in financing all the time and or in uh, investing 
a rising tide will raise all boats, right? So even the crappy stocks in the market, when the market's doing good, will go up. And so the idea is that, you know, if you guys are working your butts off to get the best deals you can and not get taken advantage of, and those those awful deals that are out there that that people are settling for are if if those NPs are learning, wait a second, I'm getting I'm gonna be pissed off and want to leave in a year. Why would you even want to go work there? Other than to get the experience. I get that, that's fine. But if you've got 10 years experience and you're getting a crappy offer, you already got the experience. It's, don't take that job. Wait another month. You'll get something better. Keep talking to people. Keep going to association meetings. It's just it'll happen. It'll something will break free. It's bet you'll be farther ahead by waiting a month or two to get a better deal than taking a crappy deal and being locked in for two years with a huge non-compete. It just it makes no sense to me. Don't take a crappy deal. Wait a little bit. I, I promise you, it'll be you'll be better off. It's scary though. You got to be willing to have some intestinal fortitude. You got to have some. You got to have a strong stomach to be able to get through that because you're like, man, I don't have a job. I need money. Yes. So some. So once you get working, what are you going to do next time? You're going to put some money away so that you can afford to negotiate and get a better deal. Pay off your debt. Get get everything taken care of in your life so that you can afford to say to somebody, you know what? I don't need to put up with your crap. Dumb guy out here. Somebody else can deal with you. And they'll be more apt to, to pay better, treat you better, if you're willing to walk away. So anyways, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to side note there, but but if you if you guys have contracts in Ohio and you need help with them, or you, you did the best job you could do and you got the deal you could get, and you just want a second set of eyes and you've already signed and you want to know what your potential problems are and pitfalls... I will mark up your contract for you. You can put it in a file file cabinet. And if anything starts to go sideways, you have all my notes that tells you what the problems are with your agreement. There's value in that. So email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I always call everybody. I usually do anyways, unless I, unless we've talked multiple times back and forth. I won't necessarily call you. But I usually want to talk to you first and it reinforce what the scope of services are. Just so that you guys, there's, I don't want anybody pissed off. I want everybody happy with what they're getting. And so far, everybody's been ecstatic with 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 the service that I'm providing. So, because um, it is pretty reasonable, very reasonable actually. I'm giving a thousand dollar service for way, way, way less than that. When I was in in NP squad, people were saying, "Hey, you want to review my contracts?" And my number was a grand, because that's what what a law office would charge. <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, a thousand bucks," and they were like, "Oh my god, no." So I'm like, that's fine. Now we're doing this, we're doing the podcast, and I'm just kind of filling in. So I've got my rate way lower because I want to help you guys out. What are we going to talk about today? I got, um, this is an email that came in. It was a laundry list of things that were asked of my opinion on a bunch of different stuff. Some of it legal, some of it not. We're just relating in general to the profession. And it came in, I don't know, I want to say... I don't even know when it was, and I'm not going to use the person's name. They'll know who it is when I when I start asking the, or talking about the questions. But there was like nine questions in this email, so this person should know who they are now because <laughs> it was a bunch of questions, and they were all very good questions. But I'm like, I can't do all of them. That'd be a five hour show. So I'm going to pick away at another couple. Of them. I already did one or two of them before. We'll do a couple more today, and uh, and hopefully we'll we'll gradually answer all these questions. But I, I'm not going to do them all in one shot. This is just too many. Oh my gosh, come on, dude, turn. Killing me. It's not even in the intersection. Come on, pull up. Don't go around you, buddy. You jerk. 
You're a jerk. You're gonna get me stuck at the green light. You're a jerk. People don't know how to drive, man. All right. Sorry about that. I digress. So the one question was um, relating to preceptors and uh, students. And it's kind of flip sides of the same coin. One question was, what is a student legally permitted to do in clinical? And the second question is, what kind of liability does the preceptor have for having a student? Oh my God, those are good questions. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I just assume people understand what their scope and what they're supposed to be doing as a student, but what's your real liability? And it goes back again and again and again to your malpractice analysis that we've done multiple times. And in one of the most recent, I don't know, was episode 120 or 119, I can't remember, it was a couple shows ago. And I did, a, did an evaluation using the tort liability, malpractice liability analysis of negligence. How to analyze negligence. And um, I'm not going to reanalyze, but basically it comes down to the standard of care. What would a reasonably prudent student in the same or similar circumstance do or should have done? And so the threshold's not going to be real high. This could be, yeah, they should know to ask the preceptor if there's anything that, that they don't know. And, and they should be, you know, having oversight based upon the level of complexity of the process and procedures and the risk that's associated with whatever it is that they're doing. So if you're in an urgent care and you're seeing cough, cold, that kind of stuff, and you have a you know, a 25-year-old that just says, I got a sore throat, and you go in and, and you assess them, your risk's pretty low. It just is. It's probably viral. It could be bacterial, even if you don't give them something, unless it's strep. Probably not going to end up with erratic fever. And you're probably going to come with an antibiotic. And ultimately, you don't get to make the say on what actually gets submitted to the pharmacy. So at the end of the day, your prescribing liability is zero because you can't prescribe. You can make recommendations to your preceptor, but there's really no liability there or very, very little. I shouldn't say no, but there's very little. Plus when you walk in, you should be announcing I'm a student and you should also be wearing a badge from your school. That's most of the schools have that requirement so that there's zero question that you are a student and that you have no license to be doing the thing that you're, you know, just kind of pretending to be doing and that the, the, the provider themselves is right outside. And you know, if there's something that you have any concerns as a patient, you can always say, well, stop. I want the, I want the real one <laughs> to come in and talk to me. So as far as liability is concerned, there is liability with everything in life. It's just levels of liability. It's a spectrum. So where on the spectrum do you fall? Is it very, very low liability? Yeah, it's kind of low liability. Now, if you walk in to a room and they have a mole, and you say, oh, like, you know, they came in for a cough and they have a mole on their neck and they're like, yeah, this thing looks concerning. And you're like, yeah, it does look concerning. We'll just take that off. And you get out the lidocaine and you numb them up and, and you lop the thing off and you didn't go back and talk to your preceptor. Um, you're probably going to be in trouble for that. <laughs> I'm just saying that's pretty far outside of what you should be doing without your preceptor in the room. Now, even if even if the preceptor said, you know, go do that, I'd be like, well, eh, you need to show me a couple times before I'll willingly go do that, just personally. Because if I cut this guy's neck and he starts bleeding all over the place and he has to go to the ER and he loses work, yeah, I'm liable <laughs> as a student. I don't want that. I wouldn't have wanted that. I would have told my preceptor, yeah, that's fine. You can come in and watch me do it, but I need you to come in and watch me do it. And the preceptor would want that as well because who's going to do the chart? The preceptor. 
So the charted, the documented information on there is going to say student performed blah 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 and cut patient too deep. Patient began bleeding and 911 called. Yeah, that's a whoops. So who do you think is going to get sued on that one? It would be the preceptors. That leads into the preceptor liability. Preceptors have a decent amount of liability when they have a student. So that's why you have to be very careful when you're a preceptor that you're watching what your people are doing. So what what the scope of the of what they're doing is, say it's um, the, my, my first intern class, which was my first clinical class, was basically all health promotion stuff. And, and there was some, you know, chronic illness thrown in there and a little bit of acute, you know, upper respiratory type stuff and antibiotics. But most of it was all, you know, when to do your screenings, you know, that kind of stuff. If that scope of that practice, of that course is that, and the preceptor is saying, you know, you need to go in and start aspirating joints for, you know, <laughs> uric acid levels to see if this person has gout. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, here, I'll show you once. And they show you once. And then they start making you do a bunch of, you know, joint injections and weird stuff. And, you know, they're utilizing you as a free free body to do work. That That's nice that they trust you. But as a preceptor, that's really stupid. You can hurt people quickly. You got to have some oversight. You got to be 100% sure, 100% sure that your, that your students are doing safe work pretty much all the time. Because it's your name on the chart. So that liability is going to fall to you. And besides, the student doesn't have a lot of money. You're the, you're the deep pockets. You're the one with malpractice insurance. Now, as a student, you have malpractice insurance as well, but it's really low amount. It's, you know, 100000 or something. It's not, it's not $1 million, $3 million, or $2 million, $6 million, or whatever. So your preceptor liability is, is pretty high compared to the student. Now, is it really all that high? I really don't think it is. Some organizations believe that it puts their organization at risk. So they say, no, we don't want preceptors here because it increases our liability. And they are right. It does increase your liability. But not to the point where I think it's a detriment. I think the benefit of having a a preceptor in your organization, not only a preceptor, but, but students in your organization is you get to get known to the community. So if you're a good organization and you pick the best of the best that come out of a school, then you can kind of select which students that you, you know, you can go to the local school and say, look, we'll take your top three students as, as through preceptorships. And, you know, we may hire one of them. If they're good, we'll keep them. It might be a great way to grow your practice. Now, some people may not be looking to do that, but you never know. It's just good to know good practitioners. Because you never know when timing is just right. And, oh, wait, my, my NP's leaving. I need a new one. Well, we just had her as a student last year, and she was fantastic. I'm calling her first. That, that just makes sense. Why wouldn't you want to take students? It's a, it's a lead on someone you know. They've been in your office. They're familiar with your people. They're familiar with your processes. Why wouldn't you want that as, a, as an owner of a company? Plus, when you have preceptors teaching people, don't you think it keeps them sharp? It does. I mean, you learn more by teaching than you ever do by sitting in a classroom. That's why you have the, the see one, do one, teach one. It's, that's, it reinforces it. That's why it's that way. There's something to be said about that. So I, I think preceptorships are a great way for people to, to stay current, to be challenged, new things that come out. 
that that are coming out in 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 the textbooks and in the guidelines and if you're practicing and you've been stuck in your own little world for a little while you might not be the latest <laughs> you might not be current and have a student say hey wait a second why are you doing that this is the way it is now oh okay awesome <laughs> didn't know it changed appreciate that i mean you should know i mean don't, but some some obscure things evidence-based practice changes so I, I, I think that was a great question. It really is. And there's a ton of people that, you know, from a student's perspective, what am I allowed to do? What am I not, not allowed to do? If it feels like I shouldn't be doing this, you better be telling the preceptor, look, I, you know, I, I'll do it, but I, I want you by my side to talk me through it and make sure I'm not messing this up. Unless it's, you know, here, cut on this person like surgery, you know, and, and they're an MD doing surgery and you're like, yeah, I can't do that anyways. But in most, most practices, that's not really what you're going to see. The other one that came out from that email that I thought was a good one to, just to talk about quickly, and then I'm kind of rambling, but I think it was important, was what do you think our profession can do to make us more marketable than PAs? And this is like opening a can of worms. Because there's no consensus on... Everything from what we should do to admit to to universities to get into school. We don't have any consensus on which exam, certification exam we should be taking. We don't have any consent. You know, get 50% of everybody is going to say one thing versus another on all these issues. We don't have consensus on um, scopes of practice amongst the states. We don't have consensus between the individual subspecialties of nurse practitioners that will fight over um, this is my turf, that's your turf you stay away, I'll stay away over here and, but there's no consistency to that so, you know, FNP's doing psych, FNP's doing acute care FNP's doing, you know it's it's there's no consensus to that and I think that there should be some lines in the sand through AANP who is our national organization ANCC is not AANP is our national it's our organization and at that level, they should be working on all of these areas to bring us all together. And I don't see it happening anytime soon. If we could coalesce, and that's why I'm trying to do it on, I'm, I'm trying to subvert the system with this podcast. Tell your friends that. My goal is to, to get us to coalesce. Because if we could coalesce and come together on what it is we do and make it easier for physicians and administrators to understand where we fit into the the puzzle piece. Right now we're a bunch of broken puzzles with different box covers and we're trying to figure out where we all fit. And it's too hard. And so if we are difficult to fit within ourselves and understand what each other do by ourselves, what do you think physicians, owners of companies... What do you think administrators of hospitals and, and organizations are going to try to figure out? They're not going to waste their time. They're going to say, screw it. I know what PAs do. They're simple. And they're a medical model. So we'll take them. That's why they make more money. It's perceived as easier. We're perceived as somewhat of a hassle. So the idea is that when you go into, individually, what can you do? When you go into an administrative office and you start rattling off all the, the crazy-ass rules that we have to follow to be able to practice the way we do, the, the, it confuses, it makes their head spin. Their eyes gloss over and they don't give a crap. 
So it has to be simplified. We have to boil it down and say, look, I'll take care of it. <laughs> I'll help you. I know it's confusing. It's confusing for us too, but here's the issues as I see them and I'll, I'll help you with it. We have to be willing to help people understand what we do. We have to be willing to be patient, educate them because it is difficult. It's difficult for us to figure out, let alone someone from the outside looking in. It's so friggin' confusing. And some people say, no, it's not confusing. I'm psych NP, I'm, I see psych. FNP shouldn't. Well, okay, but I'm in primary care and I get people that come to me with depression. They're not going to see a psychiatrist or a psych NP. They won't. But they'll start at an SSRI. So where is that line in the sand? That's just an example. And that, that one's pretty clear cut in my opinion. But, you know, the acute care thing. I, I agree. I'm, I, there's zero reason I should be in, in a hospital system providing acute care skills. I, I just, I'm want me to put a chest tube in? Hell no. <laughs> I've seen it done a bunch of times. I've taken them out, but I am sure as shit not, not putting one in. I don't even want to put one in. doesn't sound fun to me. That's why I do outpatient family practice. That's what I enjoy. So the, the, the idea is that how, how are we going to get it to work? Somebody walking on the side of the road in the dark. Nice. Sorry. How do we get it to work? How do we how do we make it make us more marketable than PAs? I that's if somebody figures that one out, they're going to be a billionaire. I, I think we have to get the, the institutions within our within our organization to to coalesce and get together and say, okay, we are going to make a line in the sand from this point forward. New NPs that are getting certified. This is your scope of practice. Period. And grandfather in NPs that have been doing, you know, family that have been in the acute care setting for a long time, that have been trained and skill and all that stuff are grandfathered in. I, I don't know of any other way to do it. And then just so that way, when you go into the program, into school and say, look, I'm doing acute care NP. This is the scope of practice that you are expected that you're going to do when you're done. And FNP, here's your scope of practice of what you're going to do. And when you're done, the problem is, is that it's more complex than that. The schools are pumping people out like crazy. And some of them, I agree, they're, they shouldn't be in existence. They're just, you know, I, I hear so many horror stories from people saying, what do you think about, you know, these these students that are failing their, their preceptor, their clinicals, and yet they're getting pumped through because the school wants to graduate them and show that they got good passage rates. I, I think those schools should go away. I think it's fraud, in my opinion. I think it's fraud. And it puts it puts the profession in danger. It puts patients in danger. I just I agree. We shouldn't be pumping them out like that. That that's inappropriate. It's a case by case basis. I know some people just don't click with their preceptor and they flunk them, and that's you know they're vindictive assholes, and that's you know you can't control that. I mean you just do the best you can and be nice to everybody. But if if you really are that awful, you shouldn't be in the program. Take it as a hint. Go away. Go do something else. You might be awesome at something else. Maybe this isn't your thing. I think that the um, the association that um, governs all of the nursing schools needs to step in and say, we need to thin this out. They're all making too much money, though. So money talks. These the schools are pumping out people because there are people willing to do it. 
and eventually what's going to happen is the price and the value of an NP is going to go down to the point where people will just say, you know what, I'd rather try to get into PA school or go to physical therapy school or hell, just go become a physician because the cost of going to school versus the increase in pay from being an RN to an NP won't be that different because the market's going to be flooded. It's already getting that way. Now, I do believe in my heart of hearts, there's going to be levels of NPs. It's already there, whether we want to say it out loud or not. And I'm probably going to get some hate mail, and that's okay. I got broad shoulders. I'll take your hate mail. Jeff at the npdude.com, in case you hate me. Tell me. I think that there's going to be two levels, two tiers in general of NPs in the, in the future. There's going to be the NPs that are the RN pluses, where they are utilized by organizations and physicians that don't understand what we do, don't care, but what they want is an RN that can put in orders for them. You're going to see that. That's an RN plus, in my opinion. And they'll make a little bit more than an RN rate, and, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not really that stressed out. It's really a pretty easy gig, and you know, they're happy because they're not wiping butts and turning people every day. But on the other side, there's going to be the people that I would like to think that I'm in that group where I'm pushing to increase full practice authority. I'm, in, I'm trying to get more autonomy. I'm constantly trying to learn, um, pushing to, to uh, maximize the profession. And you're going to see that, that we, in this category, will negotiate the hell out of ourselves and get us into a provider rate. We'll be treated as providers. We'll be considered to be potential owners of the organizations where, you know, we're going to be key members in the, within the organization, not an RN plus. And there's going to be people in between. There, there will be, but I think that there's going to be a big dichotomy between the two in the future. And that's because of the number of people just getting pumped out. And you might be in the first group and really want that, but all the only jobs that you can get are RN pluses. And I'm not trying to be derogatory about that. I'm just not. I'm not trying to take away from the from the NP that's working in that position, and that's you love it. That's your choice. For me, I don't know why it is, but when somebody wants to take advantage of me, I, it just chaps my ass, and it pisses me off. And I'm like, you will not take advantage of me. You can kiss my ass. I'm not going to put up with that. Here's where we stand, and this is what I want. But you got to be willing to walk away. That that gives you the negotiation power. The, the saying, man, I think we're good here. You're good luck to you. You always do it nice. I mean, you don't be mean about it, but for the sake of brevity, you, you got to be willing to walk away from stuff. You'll get more in life if you just turn and walk away. Same thing, like go buy a car. You ever go buy a new car? They say, yeah, it's not a good deal. And they want to get you in the office with the manager and sit you there for a while and give you pressure techniques. I just say, yeah, no. They start walking away. It's a miracle how fast they can drop the price on a car when you just turn and walk away. You got to be willing to walk away in life. Certain things aren't just worth it. So I, you know, it's a great, great question. I mean, we could probably have a, a six people on around a round table and having beers and just talk about it. We probably could come up with a solution faster than anybody else could. Implementing is different, but I, I still think the best way to promote a profession is every day you educate your patients, you educate the population. The more people that know what we do, the more accepted we are as, as uh, primary providers and uh, the, the, the higher we're going to climb, the sooner we're going to do it. So every person you meet, every person, somebody at church, I don't care, talk to them. 
after church, they ask, yeah, what is it you do? Tell them, this is what we do. Don't jam it down people's throats, but, you know, if they ask and they're genuinely interested, tell them. I've had more discussions just waiting in line at Walmart with people just BSing. See me in my scrubs. You doctor? No. There's practitioner. Wow, wow. What is that, like uh, you, you you assist people in a nursing home or something? Because they think that you, you're a nursing assistant. No, no, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like a physician, but not. What do you mean, kind of like a physician? Well, we, we, we do health care. They do medicine. You go into your spiel, your 30-second spiel. You make more friends just chit-chatting with people in the grocery store line. I'm telling you, I do it all the time. It's ridiculous. It embarrasses my kids. They just go, oh, God, Dad's talking about what he does for a living again. But that's okay. I don't care. My kids can... That's, that's what dads do. They embarrass their kids. So anyways, I don't know the answer 100%. I don't know. I'll tell you when I don't know. I think I think that the best way to do it is to educate your patients. But man, if somebody's got a better idea on how we could coalesce this thing and make everybody on the same page and everybody agree that we, we have lines in the sand of scope issues and that we shouldn't be crossing them... I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how to enforce that. And it's hard with physicians that don't understand what we do, that use us as, as RN pluses or even RN plus pluses, right? Somewhere in between. And and they they expand our scope with, with just pressure tactics of, well, I need your help to do this. And next thing you know, you're doing dual diagnosis psych and your FNP and you're, you're like, well, that's not a good call. So it, that's why good contracts come into play too. Because you need to spell it out in your agreement. This is the scope of what I'm doing. If they want you to do psych, they can send you for your certificate. You can get trained in it. It only takes a year. They can pay for it. Then you can be dual certified. It's a great way. Use that as your leverage. Love to do it. I would love to take your psych patients. I would love to. I don't know anything about it. I, I don't know dual, dual diagnosis at all. I can't treat those. I can't. I'm not even allowed. But... When you're in, I can. Let's send me to the program online. I'll get it done. I don't know. You guys tell me. Jeff at the mpdude.com. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's bothering you. Don't forget, I uh, do have a couple extra of the chronic intractable t-shirts that, uh, you know, I bought a bunch extra just to have them. I'm out of mediums, though. Apparently, medium's a hot, num- hot number. My wife, I keep ordering her one, and I end up selling them. <laughs> she still doesn't have one. She's like, when am I getting my shirt? I'm like, yeah, maybe next round I'll order a couple extra mediums, and you can get one of those. <laughs> she keeps getting mad at me. I think I've sold three of her shirts. Whoops. Um, but that, if you want a chronic attractable t-shirt, I posted the link on my Facebook page on how to pay. I need your address and uh, the size you want. And if it's a medium, I'll get some more of them here made up in the next couple weeks. So I will be getting more. If you ordered them already, they went out yesterday. They'll be um, at your doorstep in you know, probably a day or two. They should be there. So I want pictures of people wearing their chronic attractable t-shirts. I think it's hilarious. I love them. I love seeing you guys wearing those shirts. It's a lot of smiles. People are having fun with it. So uh, put on your chronic contractable t-shirt. Snap a picture of, of yourself. If uh, you don't want to show your face, I don't care. But, you know, just take a picture of it. Post it to my Facebook page. So you guys are posting them on the main forum pages, which I think is awesome. I think it's hilarious that you guys are doing that. I don't know if anybody appreciates that because, you know, I'm, I'm, there's 10,000 people on that page and only 2,000 of them are following me. So, um I'm cool with it. You can post it wherever you want, but if you want to post it to my page, that's awesome. I appreciate you guys doing it. If you guys want your contracts reviewed, I seriously mean it. Call me. Send me an email. Send me a text. 
send me a PM. You, a lot of you guys have my number already out there. I'm giving, I call you guys on a regular basis. If somebody has a question and I'm driving, sometimes I'll just give my number and say, call me. Because it's easier to do that sometimes. I'm not going to do that for everybody. I can't. I just can't call everybody. But if, if you're in Ohio and I know I can help you, then uh, you're probably going to get my phone number. You can give me a call and we'll talk it out. And I usually spend a decent amount of time talking with you just to give you some understanding of where the potential pitfalls are. And I do have a lot of people that will just, just take that general information, not even guidance, and go back and read their contract. And, and they'll never, I'll never hear from them again. So that means they're taking care of it themselves. I'm cool with that. But if you want me to take a look at it, i got to charge you for it, and uh, I'll give you guys the link on how to do that. So until then, you guys be safe, be smart, promote our profession, and we will talk soon.